From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. From Snakes and Lattes, Toronto's premier board game cafe, this is the Snakes Cast, a weekly podcast where the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes discuss what it is about games that make them worth playing. With your host, Jonathan Moriarty. Welcome to the Snakes Cast, everyone, and welcome to the fourth and final week of 20th Century Classics Month. Uh, we will probably come back to this at some point, talk about stuff like Stratego or Trouble or Uno. But um, the, f- for this final episode, I am joined by game guru Travis Ryans. Hi there. And we are going to talk about the game of life. That's one of the most popular games at Snakes and Lattes, one of the most popular games of all time. Travis, did you ever used to play Game of Life when you were a kid? Uh, yeah, actually, I played it fairly often. It was one of those classics that you just sort of had to play as a kid. There was like, there was Monopoly in, in life. Yeah, that was <laughs> one of them uh, that you just had to play. Um, I actually didn't own a copy of it, uh, but my best friend did. So whenever we went over to her place, we played it. <laughs> So you got a lot of play out of it then. Was it usually just the two of you? Or? Yeah, usually just the two of us. Um, it was funny because we ended up always trying to make up different ways to play the game. Um, mm. uh, because we ended up playing it so much with each other that we kind of got bored with it after a while. What but, kind of stuff did you add in? Um, we would try to make it uh, that we would want to hit certain goals of money or um, we would try to roll back and forth so that we wouldn't just be following a progression through the board. You would try to hit certain spots or landmarks or whatever it may be throughout mm-hmm. the game. I wanted to make sure I had two boys and two girls or I wanted to make sure that a tornado hit my house. Or <laughs> <laughs> we had certain this, things. You know, it are kind of like of, of achievements in modern video games. Yeah, actually, yes, exactly. You guys were way ahead of your time on that. <laughs> So, uh, well, the history of the Game of Life goes way back, and, uh, technically this is 20th Century Classics Month, but the Game of Life goes back a bit farther. Uh, in 1860, it was a guy named Milton Bradley, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, invented something called the Checkered Game of Life, which you actually played on a checkerboard, which had little pictures on it, yeah. like, a, like, like a snakes and ladders board. And you would start at infancy in the bottom left corner, and you would roll dice, actually, I'm, I, was, I didn't even roll dice, that was the other thing, because dice were associated with gambling, and it's the 1860s. And that's so the, witches, the te- witchcraft. No, actually, actually, it wasn't witchcraft, believe it or not, it was the temperance movement. Oh, okay. So, uh, it's, uh, so the association with these, you wouldn't even use dice, you would use this little six-sided spinning top called a teetotem. Okay. And that was how you would do this. And uh, you would land on spaces uh, that, uh, if, if, you have, if you land on a space like uh, uh, Honor, then that would move you forward. If you land on a space like Industry, that would move you ahead to Wealth. Um, there were also some bad things, though. If you land on Idleness, that could lead to Ruin. Uh, they're basically like snakes and ladders that would move you up and down. And the goal was to get the happy old age, which was at the top right corner of the board. That was the finish. And this game was a big success uh, for its time. Uh, you can already see, though, these things beginning to appear. There's, you know, the idea of a biography of somebody actually having a story, a life story, yeah. that happens basically through random stuff coming up. So, yay for 19th century values. Um, but uh, that, that stuff didn't really change with the 20th century. That was, that was still really uh, quite the popular thing. And, well, you know, Monopoly is a game about accumulating wealth and... Risk is a game about conquest and subjugation. Great lessons for the kids. Well, so basically, yeah. So the idea of having something that was morally upstanding was really appealing at the time. Okay, so 100 years later, Milton Bradley, which by this point was a company, got uh, guys named Reuben Klamer and Bill Markham to create a new game of life. And that was the one that has the board that we know and love today with all those plastic hills and those little convertibles and the pink and blue pegs. And way too many pieces all over <laughs> the place. Well, especially if you're a kid, too, you know. Um, and we it, lost those so fast. <laughs> it, uh, it also had the big spinner, 
now with the numbers one through 10 instead of one through six. So this lavish production with all these celebrity endorsements, like Art Linklater came out saying about how positive a thing this was. And uh, it's, uh, it was an even bigger success than the original. Now the, the 1960s version, allowed you to do, there were some choices you could make. You could, uh, sometimes you could buy insurance for your car, life insurance or fire insurance, or whatever, you could get stock shares. Uh, you'd have a chance to buy status symbols like a yacht or horses or something like that. And you could also take promissory notes. Uh, which would, you'd have to pay interest in to be landed on a space. Did you, did as, as an adult, I don't know what a promissory note is, so I'm really enjoying the idea of a kid <laughs> trying to figure out what a promissory <laughs> note is. It's basically taking a loan from the bank, but yeah, that's uh, the, obviously the names in the 60s. Were, were these things in the version that you played when you were a kid? No, I mean, I had insurance. I don't remember getting to buy a horse because I would have taken that over a car <laughs> in a second. <laughs> well, the, the, you didn't actually ride the horses. It was like a status symbol, so when you got to the end... It was worth uh, it was worth money each turn, but you got Fair to enough. enjoy it before the others finished. But anyway, uh, so uh, to, did did you usually go to college? Uh, that was actually what I found was the kind of the interesting thing between me and my best friend. Um, I always had to play it safe. I had to go to college. I had to have house insurance. I had to have car insurance. And I, I freaked out if I didn't have the money for them right away. And I would just panic. And she was like, ah, whatever. I'll, I'll figure it out. She just went straight into life, skipped college, went right Yeah. Yep. Uh, now she has both a degree and diploma, and I've dropped out of college twice. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of funny how life's... I, I guess, I guess those life lessons really didn't necessarily <laughs> stick as well as our link later might have hoped that they would. Uh, who tended to win in games of life then? Um, I think it was about 50-50, which again should probably say a lot to us as kids, <laughs> no matter what we did. That is another fascinating <laughs> life lesson. So when you get to the end, there's the Day of Reckoning, and from there, at least in the 60s version, you'd either go to the poor farm, or you'd go to Millionaire Acres if you'd done well enough. And players, mm -hmm. uh, there's also other stuff that happens all throughout it. Players have to give you money when you get married, they have to give you money when you have a kid. Sometimes you land on a space that says revenge. That's where you get to spin the spinner and take money from another player. And the, uh, the, the version that you played, the 80s and 90s version, that was probably called Sue for Damages. Ah, uh, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking as you said that, I don't remember revenge. I mean, we take that on out of the game, but I mean, in the game, that didn't really happen. <laughs> well, the two players, I suppose it's not that much, but did you ever play with more than two? Uh, very rarely. We both had older siblings, but they didn't usually play games with us, so... I guess not. So it's, it's, I, I can imagine sort of situations where you've got older siblings there and somebody lands on the super damages space and they have to decide who to pick on. Oh, clearly, if it's whoever's older sibling it was, the younger sibling was getting it. They were, they, <laughs> they were the one, they were the target. So, um... Anyway, this, all this stuff, these things were replaced by life tiles in the 1990s, where you would land on a space that says life on it, you draw this little tile, and it, we actually started to see a return of some of the stuff from the 1860 checkered game of life, with things like rewarding you for virtuous behavior like recycling, because that was ever so hip in the 80s and 90s, and uh, you know, helping homeless people and stuff. I remember going through those and thinking how ridiculous it was, because not only did we have a blue bin sitting outside of our house for recycling, where's our money? But at the same time, <laughs> we were like, even, even as kids, even as little kids, we were looking there like 50,000 for curing the common cold. That's not enough. That's not fair. <laughs> like, that is such a joke. When the pharmaceutical corporations are making how many billions for just, you know, like, palliatives? We must have been the most little jaded little seven-year-olds, but we were looking like, this isn't right, this isn't right. I suppose that really was the appropriate game of life for its age, you know, because that's the beginning of sort of uh, kids being uh, social, sort of socially aware as far as the whole media irony thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. So based on all of this, the, all these different versions, which one do you think would be the most fun to play for you today, if you are going to sit down with your friends? Um, would it see, be like the, 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 the checkered game from the 1860s, the 1960s version, or the, uh, the 80s and 90s version? Um, 
If I was going for novelty, I definitely want to try out that very original game. I think that'd be really interesting to take a look at. Mm. Um, but uh, ignoring the aspect of novelty, um, probably yeah, going and playing uh, the most you know recent version of, of life um, because again, we would still get into those discussions of you know having kids and getting married, and we probably just end up making more jokes about each other outside <laughs> of the game rather than what's going on inside of it. Have you seen those? So obviously you've seen them. Uh, you're a game guru. The uh, those alternate versions of the game of life where it's yes. like it's Star Wars or or Indiana Jones, or Spongebob, or... Did, did you ever try any of those? Uh, I haven't. Uh, from what I understand, most of them are fairly similar, with the exception of Indiana Jones. I've seen it uh, played a lot at the, uh, the cafe. They're popular. Yeah, well, especially Indiana Jones. Apparently, it's actually different in the way that it works out. Oh. Uh, apparently, it doesn't follow the standard roll and move. Uh, there's or spin actually, and move, whatever. Well, but yeah, actually spin and move in that sure. case. But... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's somehow different, and I keep meaning to go and take a look at it, but I never do. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, one, of, one of those sort of gray areas for the game gurus, is you know, the, the really popular games that everybody knows how to play that, strangely enough, the hardcore types don't seem to know that much about. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what are some of the life lessons that we learn from the game of life? Obviously, we learned that uh, you know they were, what we see in board games and media and so on is nonsense. Yes. Uh, that, uh, that this is all designed to indoctrinate us. But uh, supposing we take it totally at face value. So the, the lessons are, okay, uh, well, it doesn't matter whether you go to university or not, apparently. Good. Uh, you want to make lots of money because that's how you win. Yes. You know, the person who wins, who has the most money wins the game of life. Which is just a great lesson for kids. Oh, awesome, yeah. Uh, <laughs> buy stuff. Buy lots of stuff. That, that'll make you happy. Sue people. Sue people, yeah. For sure. Uh, also, taking chances is a big thing. Because like, the way the lottery works in Game of Life, at least especially the later versions, you can bet $1,000 on oh, a 1 in 10 chance a 1 in 10 shot at getting 20,000. Yep. So take lots of chances, take lots of risks, but buy insurance. Uh, gamble, basically, kids. Just Pretty much. go gamble. Lots, lots, lots of gambling. Um, the one game doesn't include dice, still tells you to gamble. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh yes, it's I know. Relax. It's gonna relax. It's gonna relax. We ran out of training. Bradley <laughs> would be appalled. He really would. But I think in a lot of ways, the most important lesson that you learn from the game of life is that you are not the master of your fate. No, that's true. That's very true. You, you spin the spinner, it is, it, is, it is ultimately that wheel of fortune that is going to control your, uh, your ultimate fate. That's, that's, where, that's where the story of your life is going to come from. Also, of course, you're supposed to marry a member of the opposite sex and have lots of children. Yes. Um, I can't imagine anybody we know would have any problems with that. Yeah, no, so. no one at all. <clears throat> Anyways, moving along. Uh, <laughs> so, I, one of the lessons I actually do kind of like about it, even my most jaded, bitter self looks at it uh, and thinks, you still end up with stuff at the end. You have your kids, you have mm. your money, and things will work out well no matter what does get thrown at you. Which, I'm not sure how much I actually believe, but at least as a lesson for kids, I actually think that that's kind of nice. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it may be that you get to the end and you don't have as much money as the other players, so the game tells you that you've lost, but if you look back at this little imaginary life that you just lived, yeah. was it actually a failure? And did, did, did you actually, it's exactly like you said, you have your family, you've had all these experiences, and you, you, you got through it. Ultimately, that's, uh, it's, maybe, maybe that is a good lesson to take away from Yeah, it. exactly. Unless you're playing one of our weird variations in which you could sell off your kids for more money. That was, that was one of the weirder ones we made up. That's sick. <laughs> and actually kind of awesome. Right? <laughs> So, all right, supposing you're going to create a new version of the game of life, not like a, you know, a Star Wars version or something like that, but an actual everyday 
sort of uh, slice of life kind of deal. What kind of lessons and uh, and uh, and messages would you like to see in that? Hmm. What, would, what would it look like? Uh, if I had my own version, I think actually getting to see the life tokens um, before the end uh, would be a lot more interesting because uh, I know in the standard rules you're supposed to not reveal them until the very end, mm. and I just feel like there's there's huge chunks of this amnesiac person's <laughs> life that are just missing, and that they just remember all at once right at the end in a very Hollywood sort of style. And suddenly you're in a Christopher Nolan movie, yeah. R right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so I would definitely want to include that. I would also love the idea of um, having each of those accomplishments not have one set dollar value, mm. uh, and that you can choose between them, uh, and then whatever the dollar value that comes out of it uh, is assigned later. So you don't actually know what's going to earn you more, but you want to help tell this story. And maybe I've been playing too many Bioware video games, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm loving the idea of choosing your story and like creating the story of this person's life as they go along. Feeling like those choices meant something would be kind of cool. Yes. One exactly. of the lessons that shows up a lot in all the versions of the game of life is the virtue of industry. Uh, but one of the things that I think is a problem with that is that being industrious and working hard in a game is easy. Because you get the choice, okay, are you, do you want to work hard or do you want to slack off? Well, of course I'm going to work hard. Because, because all I don't actually have to work hard to get the benefits of working hard. Uh, which is why I don't think it's a really good thing to include as a game mechanic. But on the other hand, the idea of real wealth and real security being in your friends and your family who are going to support you even if you lose your job and the economy collapses and everything goes to hell, that's, I, I, th that's a lesson that I really would like to see. Yeah, for sure. Plus, it'd be nice to include same-sex marriage, you know. It's, come on, guys, get to the times. Well, yeah, but good luck trying to get uh, Milton Bradley on that one. Well, you never know. It's uh, little by little businesses, in, uh, even in the United States, have had to really sort of come forward with the times and sort of see this, this is the direction that history is pointing. Well, there's also nothing directly stopping you from doing it in the game. It's just, it's reinforcing a lot of heteronormativity with the, you know, the little blue and pink and... The pictures are of man and woman and stuff, but there's nothing actually stopping you from doing it. Well, nothing stopped you and your friend from also doing all these other things. And my guess is you're not the only ones. And there are probably a lot of kids out there who are deciding to make their own lessons out of the game of life. And maybe that's the best thing about it, is that it, you don't necessarily have to take it at face value. You don't have to you know, accept the gospel of Milton Bradley. Kids are a lot smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, that's it for 20th Century Classics Month, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Travis Ryans. Game on. And thanks for listening. We'll have a new Snakescast for you every week at snakesandlattes.com. In the meantime, you can follow us through your favorite social networking sites, such as Facebook and Twitter, or best of all, meet our gurus in person at Snakes and Lattes in Toronto. Until then, this is P.T. Douglas. Game on.